Welcome to the Raindrop Corner Podcast, a chill place where creatives and real-life superheroes converge to chat it up about cool things. And I'm your host, Kay. I do want to put a mild content warning on this episode. There are very loose mentions of suicide, trauma, and also sexual assault. So I just wanted to give you that disclaimer before we started this episode. And without further ado, here's an ode to our guest. The Medusa. The twisting and wreathing of a soul came in the form of an embrace exuding to have and to hold. Dark skin illuminated in an air most cold, possessing a spirit too vivacious to control, so external sin set them to dispose. All fear the Medusa of old, dangerous woman clad in death and gold. They set her head in a bag for all the world to behold. Poor black woman, who dared to be bold. So onto like spirit she bestowed the greatest secret foretold. Snakes slithering, deep eyes bewildering, the great monster pushed forth power concealing, revealing a deep feeling that would explode I can't with painful healing, leading feminine form to ancestral meaning. Behold, fractals become energy beings, a distilled reflection we are finally seeing. You see, fears turn to stone, little hymns replacing ragged blood and bone, beckoning trembling bodies towards the unknown, facing the ballad of suffering alone. The sins of the father finally too heavy to condone, a fiery roar reaching past the old Macedon. All fear the Medusa of old, dangerous woman clad in death and gold. They set her head in a bag for all the world to behold. Poor black woman who dared to be bold. So on to like spirits, she bestowed the greatest secret foretold. Today we have with us Ebony Payne English. You've won numerous awards. You have presented yourself to this world as a writer, not limited to the wealth of poetic talent that you have. You are a performer, you are an educator, you are a human rights activist based out of Duval, specifically Jacksonville, Florida. (laughs) And it's an honor to have you on the podcast today. One of the things that really struck me about you was your bravery and courage in terms of how you approach your work. And I know that a lot of times people say the words bravery and courage, and they say it in a way that feels almost dismissive or patronizing or just not fully recognizing the depth of those words. And when I say bravery and courage, I mean the ability to be vulnerable and admit that you don't always have it all together so that you can then empower people to to pay attention to themselves. And I think that is such a gift. Ebony, first off, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Of course. I've been asking everybody because we had last year we had a really long year. It's still it feels like one big long year as far as the pandemic and everybody's crustasis, if you will, and metamorphosis during that time. So rather than us talking about the pandemic specifically, I want to ask you, how are you doing and how is how has all of the emotion and all of the realizations that you've made about yourself over that time period kind of manifested into where you are right now today. I'm doing 
quite well. I I feel very blessed. Um, During the pandemic, all of my shows got canceled. I had booked my very first world tour. I had just released my first graphic novel. I just had, you know, big plans, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was, you know, scheduled to um, headline at the Times Union Center, and I was devastated, of course, as everybody was, like, not only with what was happening in the world, but what was happening specifically to me. Mm-hmm. But during quarantine, what took place was I was locked in the house with my daughter for a year. Mm-hmm. And she's three years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been really busy leading up to that. We still spend so much, we always have, since she's been born, we've spent so much time together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, there's nothing that I'm doing where, you know, my daughter's not involved or included. So, it wasn't that me and her weren't spending enough time together. It's that we weren't spending enough time doing nothing mm-hmm. together. We were together, but mommy was very busy. Um, so during the pandemic, I had some time to unbusy myself with everything that was going on in the world mm-hmm. and everything that was going on with my career and kind of center my life around what's going on with my daughter and how I could be of assistance to her and this stage of her development. And that was probably the most therapeutic thing that has happened for me um, in my entire adult life. And so um, I came out of that, you know, well-rested and hydrated and, you know, full of love. And so um, it just proved to me, you know, that even like when I'm feeling like everything's on fire, you know, sometimes the universe has a has a water hose, you know, <laughs> and a fresh pair of hands to assist. So I'm I'm grateful, you know, to have survived it, to have you know my daughter have survived it, and to have my nonprofit have survived it because so many organizations that deal with public service shut down because there was no public to serve. Everybody was at home. That's true. But the Performance Academy was still able to uh, program, and we still had our uh, summer camp for foster teens, mm-hmm. and um, we still kept the mission alive. And so I, I really think I'm a best case scenario survivor of the pandemic, and um, I look forward to everything kind of like maturating and materializing into some form of uh, regularly scheduled programming soon. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about that is everything that you just said shows in your work, shows in everything that you do. And speaking of the Performers Academy, that's that's actually the place where I met you. (laughs) You were helping out with another (laughs) you were helping out with another event. But I was very interested in what you do, because I had I feel like so often, um, especially in cities like Jacksonville, where it's huge, but there's so many subject subsections of it. And a lot of times, unless people have a need or unless there's somebody that kind of drags them to it, sometimes they're very disjointed from the nonprofits in the specific events and things going on in their city. And I did not know that the Performers Academy exists. Can you? Tell us a little bit about the Performers Academy. The Performers Academy was founded by Catherine McAvoy, and she's an entrepreneur and a 
philanthropist, you know, here in the greater Jacksonville area. And uh, she just wanted to create a place with which to share the power of the arts and the passion of the arts with the entire community, especially those who wouldn't otherwise have access. So like, when we look at that, um, our specialty demographic is foster youth mm-hmm. of the greater Jacksonville community. Um, a lot of them do not have access to consistent, stable, and secure forms of expression. The therapeutic nature of being able to just like get something that plaguing you inside out, but not having to say it, uh, I think, you know, it it is very important to have that in your life, to have some form of healthy coping mechanism that does not involve you sitting in a chair and talking to a stranger about the most horrible things that have happened to you. Not to say that therapy um, is not important because it is. And um, all of our, our students have mental health resources available to them mm-hmm. um, in the form of therapists that are on, on, on staff and in the building with them. And that they regularly see through family support services. But sometimes, especially for a child, it's very intimidating to have to talk about things that you really don't understand, especially to someone you don't trust, an adult. You know, because the people you're supposed to be able to trust have harmed you in some way or just were not available or are no longer with us. And so it's not easy to just talk. I think like that's an unreasonable expectation for a child to just be free um, and open to talking to someone about the that hurt, trauma, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, arts as behavioral intervention and a safe platform of self-discovery, like are necessary, especially to teens um, and who have undergone an extreme amount of trauma very early in life. Mm-hmm. And um, I came to the facility five years ago um, as a volunteer mm-hmm. and I aligned with the, men's, the mission and I fell in love with the students and um, I ended up staying and becoming a program director. And then um, October of last year, I became the executive director after their, the founder uh, retired. Mm-hmm. So it's been an interesting journey. July will be our 10th annual a summer camp, uh, which like the reason why we developed that camp is a lot of uh, kids in, in licensed or kinship care are not able to attend other summer camps because of uh, whatever, you know, uh, behavioral issues that are caused by the trauma they've endured um, mm-hmm. shows up on their file and then they're not accepted into these other summer camps and stuff. And so there's nothing for them to do all summer. So that's why Just Like Me started. And then uh, two years ago, Just Like Me, um, the demand was for us to have year-round support of them. So we maturated that into Squad Goals Team Studio which is a Monday through Friday after school program. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, have another program that became Project Home or Product of My Environment, mm-hmm. which is an outbound lyricism uh, program where we go into facilities such as Maddie, Grand Park, uh, the Juvenile Detention Center, um, and actually uh, teach students how to express themselves and tell stories through 
uh, Ribbon and Porch, and it's up to us as the adults, as their community, as their village, to love them through it. You know, these are all our children. They belong to all of us, you know, and, and we cannot forget them. That our teens that are incarcerated, mm-hmm. our teens that, you know, are living in extreme poverty, our teens that are in foster care, we cannot make them feel forgotten or unseen. And it's up to us to take the extra effort to go to meet them where they are on their turf if they cannot come to us. And so that's that's really the work that we can It's so needed because a lot of times people forget to abdicate, to provide a voice for kids. And I feel like the one thing that art is always able to do is provide camaraderie, whether people realize it or not. The way it brings people together, the way it allows them to express, the way it opens their third eye to ideas and thoughts that maybe they didn't think about before. I'm really glad that yourself and the Performers Academy exists outside of the Performers Academy. I've seen you perform. I think just the power and honesty that you had on stage helped me realize that art can be personal and intimate, but it is not just solely that. Art is something that is meant to be shared. Yes. Yes. And I do want to talk specifically about your visual album and short film. And it's also an album that you can listen to on iTunes, on Spotify, on on all of the major streaming platforms. And y'all should go listen to it. Just go listen, go listen, stream, stream, stream away. It is an experience. Tell us specifically about how you went from being Little Ebony to this moment where you were able to produce this music and this this visual artistry. Hip-hop changed my life, therefore it saved my soul. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I made my first suicide attempt. And my cousin who was in town visiting from Chicago, or he had just recently, his family had just recently moved from Chicago to Jacksonville. Uh, gave me a tape of Tupacalypse Now. And when I listened to it, <laughs> I heard a song called Brenda's Got a Baby. Mm-hmm. And it was the first, it was the very first time that I had ever heard that kind of poetry. I can't really explain it. I know it's a rap song, but it, it, it fell on me like poetry, mm-hmm. uh, which I had already been writing. And uh, it was a story about sadness that only, I think, uh, someone who has experienced poverty and reality of, of what it is to be a disenfranchised American uh, could, could understand. I felt like Tupac gave me a place to put my sadness, and it was in my pen, and I didn't have to leave here or leave this place to not feel sad anymore I could just like uh, bury it in my notebook and you know better out than in you know Uh, and so I have always like come back to hip-hop even um, through the theater which I have six years of classical training Mm -hmm. um, as far as being an actress and a playwright goes of course performance art and spoken word uh, which that's I've been doing that as a professional for 18 years now, but I've always come back to hip hop because it is my church, and 
Kumangoza creating this album. It was like me choosing to tell the story of what it is to be black and film in the South at this time. And the things that I've seen and experienced and endured. And I wanted to give visibility to black film creatives mm-hmm. and voice to some of the things that we encounter. And I also wanted to talk about love. And I also wanted to talk about sisterhood. And I also wanted to talk about martyrism or mar- martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I feel like uh, black women put themselves up, you know, for persecution daily if they feel like it will save the life of the neighbor. Yes, if you. The child, <laughs> the friend, <laughs> you know, the lover. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the community. All of it. so crazy that you said that I've always had issues I got detention for bringing up my issue with that story that they chained her. 
and made her a prisoner because men could not control themselves in her presence. And somehow that was her fault. And things, stories like that are what have empowered rape culture as yep. a global tradition. The oppression of women has been a global tradition for centuries. Etched down you even into religion and how yes. and how women are instructed in not just the Christian church, but other churches and religious buildings all around the world. Yes, yes. So I, you know, that's that's what I, when I listened to my album, I was like, this is the story I'm telling. And so I wanted to tell the story of Medusa in a visual way. I wanted to reimagine it in an urban setting. Like if she was the one to save Brenda, what would that look like? You know, um, I imagine, reimagine Medusa as the protector of women, as the heroine, as a savior of herself, instead of all of these warriors. I allowed her to keep her head on her shoulder and uh, travel through space and time, you know, through these different scenarios and setups and encountered the children as mm-hmm. well as the women, as well as, you know, uh, the opposition of uh, some, some of the men who seek to destroy her. So it starts off with her, you know, in a relationship with Pharaoh madly in love with him. He's having an affair. Uh, and he murders her when she finds out. When she discovers his infidelity, he murders her. And she reincarnates, you know, as a goddess. And she's able to space and time um, jump. <laughs> uh, and just go around, you know, giving encouragement and guidance and support to women who need it um, and and that's the premise of the visual so yeah i had wondered because of the snakes and i always meant to ask you what was your relationship to snakes and then i saw your headdress and that is the first thing that i thought of the creature with the snakes in her hair that is not a creature but she is transcended of something much much more And that's just such a needed story. And I think it's important to also shift thinking. A lot of times when someone is unique and they have this energy about them and they command that energy, whether they are super vocal about it or not, oftentimes there is this tendency to vilify them, especially when it's a woman. And it was just nice to see that vibrance and you irradiating it in many different ways. My personal experience with your your album. I haven't seen the visual side yet and I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to see it. Which you it's coming. It's, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> but just listening to it, you could feel that. The the fact that as humans we live as women We live in a world that essentially is very broken. And because of that brokenness of the world itself, it's very easy to become a prisoner in it. It's very easy to become, I don't necessarily want to say a victim, but susceptible to it. And as a result, one of the things that you, a theme that comes up is having the power to acknowledge your pain and your hurt and using that to embrace change and to be mended and 
to lift yourself up by realizing certain realities about yourself in the world around you. And that was definitely felt in the album. What would you say to little Ebony? Thinking about everything that you just said and thinking on the messages that you created in your album, what would you say to little Ebony if you could? I love you. I love you. And this too shall pass. And I feel like you have you have iterated that in your transparency and your ability to be human and more. <laughs> <laughs> um secrets kill they do they kill and i feel like the only reason certain behaviors continue to go on is because nobody is admitting that it happened to them that's why the me too movement was so powerful Mm -hmm. because it needed to be that's why the black lives movement is so powerful because it needs to be shown, mm-hmm. you know, how they do us, what is happening, what has been happening, what has always happened. And and in order for you to defeat something, you have to first acknowledge that it exists. Yep, you do. Confront it, you know, and then you can can overcome it. The shame associated to oppression is, is, is crazy. It's what allows us to continue to be oppressed. It's because we are ashamed to be oppressed you know it's always like a a folding inside of myself how did I let that happen something about me must have deserved it and whatever that is you know it's unworthy of my love and my attention because look what it's done to me you know and and so that's why I'm honest about what I'm dealing with I've struggled with mental health since I was very little and I didn't understand what was going on with me. I didn't know why I was sad. Um, I, I was seeing things, you know, that I felt children shouldn't be seeing. But everybody else seemed fine. Everyone else seemed normal, even though they were seeing the same things I was. But for some reason, the way that it was processing and landing me, you know, it, 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 it affected me. It caused me great turmoil. Um, and, you know, I didn't, wasn't given a therapist. You know? And, uh, but one of the things about religion, I come from a very religious family. They lay hands on me. You know, they pray for me. They still pray for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still praying for me. You know what I'm saying? And I, I appreciate that because I, I know that that's an act of love. I don't think it's an act Soldier, I think it's back to love, but when you know better, you do better. You know, and I was struggling greatly with my mental health. I was suffering from depression, and I needed a therapy. You know, and also I needed someone around to admit that Ebony is depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not as simple as you know giving her a lollipop and a hug. You know, she's got some serious things going on with her. Because the same things that affected me when I was little are infected, are affecting me now. I say infect because that also applies. Yes, <laughs> um, definitely. So, like, when, you know, I say I'm a product of my environment, that means everything in my environment, you know, everything that happens here in Jacksonville, including the name, 
effects and impacts that I learned who Andrew Jackson was and what he'd done. I hate it to be free. I hate it that this is where I'm from. And I'm actually, you know, double times Jacksonville because my father's a Marine. And so I was actually born in Jacksonville, North Carolina, um, on that Marine base there. And then he got stationed here in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Florida, when I was little. And then we came here, and I've been here ever since. So, what keeps you like, here? Like, like, you know, this is my home. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's going to improve it, it's going to have to come from someone who's invested in this place. I have every reason to want this place to be the best possible city it could be. And that's because it's where I'm from. And I'm I'm happy to be from here because there's no place like this one. There's no place like this And I want to tell the full story, which is there's a lot of beauty in Jacksonville. There's a lot of uh, racism. There's a lot of sexism. There's a lot of homophobia. There's a lot of all of that icky stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of love, a lot of art, a lot of culture, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of passion, a lot of good people, a lot of beauty. And, and I feel like I have the opportunity to talk about it all. And so I do. And so I do. And um, hopefully, you know, the city can see its reflection in my words and my poems and my songs and my plays and my visuals. Because everything I do is for us. Everything I do is for Jackson. Everything I do, you know, is just try to try to, like, contribute, do my part to do my part here it's definitely felt and i will say too it's individuals such as yourself have really shifted my opinion on how to deal with environments that have a lot of negative things in it you're going to get that anywhere you go but i think the mentality is this place is bad this city is bad because these things happen to me in it or and it's not to say that sometimes people don't need to remove themselves from an environment to heal and to grow but I feel like when you think about the history of Jacksonville some people know this some people don't Jacksonville has actually been burned to the ground in the past and when you think about the fact that when Jacksonville did have that large burning that law enforcement and the paramedics if you will went out of their way to evacuate the middle class areas and just completely abandon the urban areas of the city and kind of leave them to their own devices when you think on the fact that that is definitely something that happened here and influenced a lot of the nastiness and pain that remained when they built this city back up, it's a hard thing to think about. But then you think about the people such as yourself and many other people that I can name in the city who have chosen to build, to educate, and to uplift, and to also show that you can do those things yourself, which is the most important part of it all, to empower other people to do the same thing. You can take 
you can take the nastiness and you can grab a sponge and you can slowly clean it. You can make it better and you can show the people who are nasty that, hey, I might not be able to change your opinion, but I'm planting this seed. You do with it what you will, but this is me, this is us, and we will elevate this city with or without you. And that part, that <laughs> thanks, thanks, <laughs> but that part right there, yeah, like that's, that's that's it. That's the superpowers look like that's that's how they manifest that's what they look like you know it's not an infinity gauntlet it's not being able to control the weather although that would be really cool it's it's things like that it's showing and empowering people to use their power that was there all along and they can choose to activate it or not and sincerely just thank you for existing thank you for being on this earth and for being in this city and for coming on the show today to talk with me because every version of you is wonderful and i'm so glad that in even in even a small way to be able to share that with other people because you have spent all of your life even before you realized it doing great work no. Honor is all mine. And to inspire you in any way, it's like, you know, you're affirming uh, why I do this. It's because I just want to help. I just want to, like, hold up a mirror to the people in my community. And hopefully they can see themselves inside of me and know that they're a part of, of my human experience. And that I need them to survive. Thank you for affirming that. You know, my efforts are not in vain. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm to and it, it makes it that much easier to know that anyone, you know, can appreciate the work. You're welcome. And it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you and a very lifting talk too. Thank you. Um, if people want You're to, <laughs> thank you. If people want to learn more about you and follow your art and your passion in everything that you are respectfully of course no stalking <laughs> where will they go on social media <laughs> to find out more about you and what you're up to they can also go to my website which is ebonypainenglish.com mm-hmm. it's uh, the way you spell my name without the hyphen though so it's e-b-o-n-y-p-a-y-n-e-e-n-g-l-i-s dot com and it has like my portfolio um it has the links to order my uh, poetry compilation as well as uh, the link to my a graphic novel it's an ebook um, and it has like my album uh, my music video like all of that like um, it's on there all of the things I've been painting which is there as well as my, my social media handles so my Instagram is at Ebony Oshun E-B-O-R-Y-O-S-H-U-N and that's also my Twitter handle and I will link all the links <laughs> below for everybody, too. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you are always you so welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. This of was course. a wonderful way to, to start my day and kick <laughs> it off. I, uh, Thursday nights uh, were uh, my first open mic nights there. Uh, black on Black Rhymes. Oh, nice. Day. That was their their night. It was Black on Black Line night. It was Thursday nights every week at Mount Zion Calypso Cafe, mm-hmm. and so that's where, you know, I, I got a chance to like become who I am now. Was during that time. So Thursdays are very special to me. Um. So yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out on this Thursday morning. Of course, I don't know what it is about Thursdays. I used to do open mic on Thursdays too and it's what inspired me to actually like really delve into poetry and expressing myself so I don't know it's just it's the Thursdays they are they're special but much love to you seriously and thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me have a wonderful day you too Thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you are the most beloved and make all of this magic possible. And I do want to take a moment just to give it up to Ebony Payne English one more time. Her film that we discussed, her visual album, Kuan Goza, ended up winning an award at the Detroit Black Film Festival. So we got to give it up to her and it only gets cooler from here. So give it up for Ebony Payne English one more time, and don't forget to check her out. She's doing all kinds of cool stuff and has a lot going on. And if you know of any teens who would benefit from being enrolled in the Performers Academy, please consider checking out what they do and potentially getting the kids enrolled so they have a cool outlet to express themselves in the form of artistry. In My Loves, the Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Sound cloud and all standard streaming platforms until next time